Detecting the Marvelous. If uh, you want to hear some fun, friendly nerds talk about comic books first thing in the morning on your commute to work, then good morning or good evening if you are like us and it's the evening. Um, yeah, so uh, this is uh, my long-winded way of saying this is Detecting the Marvelous. It's our comic book podcast with me, Jan Rosen, and I've got Lainey LaRose and Matthew Ardell here with us. And uh, yeah, today we've got a really fun, it's actually aptly, we are recording this on Monday for uh, today, Matt has us talking about Blue Monday. Uh, And so I'm, uh, and I've got my Blue Orchid mic that I'm using to talk into. So it all comes full circle, Blue Orchid, Blue Monday, it's Monday. Uh, Yeah, are we ready to talk Blue Monday? (laughs) Mm-hmm. There are. Yeah, this uh, yeah, this was really cool. This was a really neat one. It was nice to go outside of the Marvel and DC universes for to try something, yeah, more independent. Uh, and it was, yeah, it was really cool. This was really enjoyable and interesting. Um, yeah, I guess we'll we will start with some history from uh, some backstory from Lainey. Sounds good. So excited. All right, so Blue Monday was written and illustrated by China Clugston Flores. Um, Clugston Flores has since worked as an assistant editor for CMX Manga and DC Comics, editing Looney Tunes comics and co-editing for Tiny Titans. She's also penciled and written for a few Buffyverse stories for Dark Horse Comics. And China has been nominated for three Eisner Awards, one of which was for Blue Monday under the category of Best Limited Series. So China first conceptualized Blue Monday in the late 90s while still in high school, beginning with the two characters, Blue and Clover. In 1997, she began releasing Blue Monday one-pagers in publications like Dark Horse Presents, Action Girl Comics, and Oni Double Feature. The series was eventually picked up by Oni Press editor Jamie S. Rich, who released the comic's first miniseries, the Kids Are All Right, in late 2000 as a digest-sized paperback. That miniseries was followed by three more over the next five years, and the first publication was originally printed in black and white, but in 2015, Image Comics acquired Blue Monday's publication rights and began to release new editions in trade paperback size with colors added by Eisner Award-winning colorist Jordi Belair. The first Three volumes were released in 2016 and 2017, but the fourth volume, Painted Moon, was solicited for pre-order, but then was later removed from the publisher's schedule. Before this happened, though, there was also an announcement planned to release a new fifth volume called Thieves Like Us and an omnibus volume called Germ-Free Adolescence. So yes, the series is named after the song from that British rock band, New Order. And in fact, all of the series and single issues are named after songs. Um, The mod subculture is heavily prevalent throughout the series with subtle and not so subtle nods to 1960s mod style rock, 80s new wave, ska, punk rock, and 90s Brit pop. 
The series follows Bluff Finnegan, Finnegan and her friends in the early 90s in a fictitious Northern California town called Deadwood. And Cluxton Flores has mentioned that her own personal experience from high school has helped shape the series and that Blue and Clover are based off of her own personality traits and history. China also has described Blue Monday as Archie on crack with cursing and smokes. Which is also <laughs> ironically how you can describe Riverdale. So yeah. <laughs> I think China maybe and, did it better, but yeah, I really, uh, that's such a great description. Yeah, I, sure. yeah. That's like it's in a nutshell. That's basically what it is. It's fantastic. Yeah. So yeah, that is your fun facts of Blue Monday. Nice, and it's the backstory to every conversation I've ever had with Matt. <laughs> all the, every pop culture reference, like all like yeah, yeah. It all just makes more sense now after yeah. Yeah. <laughs> insight right. into I who like I, I know am. You, I know you better now that I've read Blue Monday. <laughs> that is honestly one of the reasons why i selected it um i mean one reason was i wanted to like break away from western comics like this is very shogo shoujo manga inspired and like the original very much like only those small books are very much like the manga little little books that you can get but um you know Basically, you know, if you were to um, make me a girl and capture my my brain pattern through high school, this would have been me. (laughs) (laughs) So it was like, I thought it was like, okay, this is a fun, different vibe, uh, like, you know, a different kind of story than we told up until now. And uh, I thought it would be fun to. Oh, very cool. It was a great pick. Yeah. Yeah. And it's nice because it's yeah, very different vibe from anything else that we've read or talked about so far. So that was great. Need to run the audience through the story. Yeah, yeah take sure us through do. it. Sure do. Okay. Um, set in a mythical time in, of magic and wonder known as the '90s, uh, somewhere <laughs> <laughs> somewhere in California, a 15-year-old Blue is a high school student at Jefferson High. A bit of an outsider, her life is like that of many teenagers her age, filled with hormone-drenched dreams of pop stars, rock music, and love. Um, That's where we start at a school dance where inexplicably Graham and Damon from Blur show up and ask her to dance, looking to woo her. Um, And this very much dates it because they're the new English band uh, she's failing uh, into, which makes me feel very old. Um, They are upstaged by the mod father, Paul Weller, who himself is upstaged by the dandy highwayman, Adam Ant, who asks her a question about the instigating of events leading to the Great War. Um, as Blue leans in for a kiss uh, from those luscious lips of Adam Ant, uh, she answers the question, and her friend Clover wakes her up, calling her a gobshite. Uh, <laughs> and she finds herself sitting in the middle of history class, uh, where she still inexplicably was able to answer the question uh, that her history teacher had asked her about the First World War. Uh, now, over the course of the first issue, we are introduced to Blue, Clover, Aaron, Allen, and Victor, who are all, um, for all their quirks, pretty much regular teens. They get into hijinks, pull pranks, and are just horny 15-year-olds. Um, I mean, taking place in the 90s, uh, the kids are 
in the thick of the 90s mod revival, which was big in California. Uh, we have the, the rise of post-new wave, alternative, punk, third wave, goth. Uh, and that's all reflected in their different styles. Um, you know, Aaron, later in the series, sort of leans more into the gothy bit, uh, as does Victor. Um, so it's it's like a very it's a potpourri of alternative culture when alternative culture was still alternative. Um, mm-hmm. Now, as they're leaving the school, uh, they find out that the local radio station is holding a draw for t- or a call in random opportunity to get tickets to Adam Ant, who is showing up at the end of the week. So we have a ticking clock right from the start, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, we they. Lou is trying desperately to get those tickets. Um, now, the first issue reminds us that boys are gross monsters. And, <laughs> um, you know, while they are friends, uh, Victor and Alan are pain, a big pain in the butt. And uh, we have them pranking one another and being gross and just really doing horrible things that teenagers would do, which is one of the things I really love about this. It's yeah. it's all realistic uh, in in, yeah. in the kinds of things that that are happening. For in the sure. second issue, the stakes are escalated as the girl's favorite teacher, Mrs. Gideon, is away for surgery. Her former student, Mister Bishop, a young bespectacled Anglophile, uh, takes over as the substitute, and Blue has an equally inappropriate new crush. Uh, to contend with and this one unfortunately is sitting five feet away from her uh clover in her inarguably irish candor simply states ah jesus (laughs) Uh, now after multiple failed attempts to win adamant tickets over the telephone and at the local record shop the gang attend a ska concert where the radio station will be holding a giveaway of tickets dressing up in their finery I once again felt exceptionally old as this comic set 30 years ago had the girls dressing up like all of the girls I had crushes on in high school um, <laughs> and which are now in their second return to, to retro style. Mm-hmm. Um, and the boys had flash suits and great socks and amazing shoes. And I wanted to wear all of their clothes. Mm-hmm. Um, now, growing blue off of her game and going into the concert, Mr. Bishop showed up because his nephew is in the ska band. I actually thought that was going to pay off more, but really that's, he's just there and it's just a moment. Yeah. Um, things look like they're going to go blues way when she gets chosen to take part in the, the contest, which involved reciting the lyrics from an Adam ant song. After uh, all of the other contestants who are conspicuously all pretty girls fail, Blue nails it with a rousing rendition of Stand Up and Deli- uh, Stand and Deliver. Over the course of the recitation, she finds herself in her head just developing confidence, and she slowly transforms into the same outfit that Adam Ant wears in the music video for the song, where he's a highwayman robbing uh, rich people of their, of their money. And she thinks she's got it. She's happy. Everybody's like, woo! Audience blows their minds. And in true 90s DJ sleazy style, uh, the DJ is like, okay, well, now we're going to have a wet t-shirt contest. Um, So she refuses to take part, leaves the stage in tears um, uh, and just dejected. 
Uh, Victor makes it uncomfortable and weird by by commenting on Clover's figure, uh, which deservedly lands him a punch to the nose. Uh, and we end issue two with Blue <coughs> sulking in bed uh, the day of the concert when, surprise, surprise, a last round that they hadn't announced to win tickets and backstage passes comes on the radio. In a, in a, in a twist, uh, she wins the tickets and the backstage pass, but unfortunately, because it's so last minute, she has no way to the concert. They end up uh, they end up asking everybody in school for a ride. Her parents are gone. They're out of luck. So they start to uh, hitchhike, which is something we still did in the 90s. Uh, <laughs> unwisely. Uh, now, luckily, a band of Shriners show up riding Lambrettas, <laughs> Vespa Allstates and Vespa cars and offers to give them a lift. Blue has a grand time riding in a sidecar while Clover is stuck in a Vespa car with a gross man who thinks she's a boy and will not stop talking about bovine lovemaking. Um, <laughs> everything seems to be coming up roses. They get to the ticket booth and they are told they can't have the tickets because Blue didn't bring ID. Uh, the most honest to God teenage screw up one could have made back then. I wouldn't have thought to bring yeah. ID if I won a contest. Mm -hmm. like, and yeah. the, ticket, the ticket booth attendant, she's a total jerk. She's clearly power tripping. Um, so they try crawling in windows, uh, they step in toilets, uh, Clover beats the crap out of a jerk bouncer. Um, <laughs> it all comes tumbling down, uh, but in the last few pages, Blue is crying behind the venue when she's handed a frilly tissue, uh, or frilly, uh, handkerchief by a stranger who is smoking cigarettes, uh, in the shadows to find... Goody Two-Shoes himself, Adam Ant, just listened to her entire sob story, though decided to give her and Clover a lift home, and a teenager girl's dream comes true. And to add a cherry to the top of the Sunday, the following Monday, she finds out her crush, Mr. Bishop, who she thought would be leaving, has had to extend his stay. So all of her dreams came true. <laughs> Yeah, so that is they, Blue Monday. The kids are all right. Yeah. I will say they really like uh China Clugston Hughes, right? Is it? Or yeah. Clugston Flores. Flores. Sorry, Clugston Flores, yeah. Um, really puts Blue like through the ringer with like every possible like like cause she does everything right for the contest and all of that. And and like, you know, and she's she is there the first one at the record store. You know, and she's the best singer at the ska thing. And just like the world constantly foils it with either like the two guys being gross jerks, like cutting in front of her or, you know, yeah, like the DJ being like, hey, what T-shirt contest? And just like, you know, power tripping, uh, you know, like um, ticket agents, all that stuff. Like it just everything gets thrown in her way to get there. And so mm -hmm. I thought that was really cool because I was like, oh, man, like. Usually it's like, you know, you get like two or three obstacles before you finally get it. But there are like nine, ten obstacles every yeah. step of the way there. It was um, the odyssey of rock music. In yeah, yeah, that's right. It was the Homer's odyssey of rock. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, at this, thinking back to when I was a kid, I mean, I think this is not unique to just me, but I think 
everything seemed that much more dramatic. So this feels like somebody thinking back to when they were a teenager, <clears throat> reflecting on that and how it was like this grand epic battle. And the, you know, it just, it, it takes up. It's funny because, you know, our last episode was a Superman, a Superman for all seasons where it's a very small story that feels grand in a way. I kind of feel like this is sort of like mm. that. It's a very small yeah. story that takes on aspects of grandeur just because of the emotional stakes of meeting Adam Ant. And I have to admit, I would have probably lost my flipping mind if that had <laughs> happened to me today, let alone as a hormonal teenager. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, like there's always yeah those things like, or like the like little things that like nowadays like you know I'll be like well you know in the grand scheme of things but back then I'd be like no <laughs> yeah um, <laughs> it's so true it feels like your life is over if you don't get this one thing yeah. Yeah. I might as well die <laughs> <laughs> and, it, and I think the nobody way they, like, understands me <laughs> and even like the way they showed the teenagers relationships like I'd say like there are like like some outdated terms and stuff like that that people use but it's mm-hmm. all I'd say every anytime someone is like uses like a gross term or whatever they're usually reprimanded or punched in the nose by clover or whatever yeah. um also and... clover is like the best like badass like best friend like i wish i had a clover in my life but as a teenager we all need a clover oh, in sure. our yeah. lives yeah. absolutely yeah. yeah we all need our clover who like anytime someone like wrongs you you're like hey what the fool can you do and like um <laughs> uh. and... Like her, but, uh, her getting into a fight with a Scotsman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, geez, Louise. For sure. Um, yeah, I mean, that was one interesting thing. Like, there were, like you said, some language that, you know, even when this was released originally, I mean, things have changed a lot since then, but it's set in the 90s and it's contextually appropriate. It's not like, mm. this is cool. Yeah. It's just like, that is the language of the day. Um, yeah. which is, you know, interesting in a way because it it's not gratuitous, but it's also like, you know, it's the, present. The, it's, yeah, yeah, it's present. And the people who use it are not presented in a nice light uh, at times. For sure. Um, and yeah. and actually I, on that note, I would say like, I love to say that like, oh, like I remember myself as being a pretty good kid as a teenager. But to be honest, uh, there are a lot of times I was just like same. Alan and Victor in high school for yeah. sure. I to, although I have to say, they yeah. must have had very understanding p- parents to have that of a, a large porn collection on open display. Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. My parents would not let me have yeah. that. No, there's no. no world where that would have happened in my house. I couldn't even yeah. imagine. I, I had pictures of robots, like Robotech robots on the wall. I did yeah. not have, like, even a bikini-clad lady. I could not imagine, like, yeah, like Hustler magazine enough yeah like, I, I think my parents would have allowed yeah like a swimsuit issue poster let alone like yeah no 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 For so sure. yes guys are gross yeah so i was like yeah boy fair enough i was a gross boy like i definitely <laughs> made those come but then at the same time even though they're like they piss off the girls like they all four of them still do like each other as friends yeah. because like i mean there was times where like i said so many gross things to like female friends of mine or whatever we did stuff that pissed each other off but then it was like all right well we're gonna go to a party together now <laughs> like yeah because like you, you have your friends and it's like through thick and yeah. thin as a as a teenager mm-hmm. yeah so i thought i thought it was yeah it was just very well captured that way 
I also love that everything is fueled by Pepsi for some reason. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know if they were a sponsor to it, like when this was originally published, or, or, or yeah, or if, like I, I think it's just to... like she likes Pepsi. <laughs> yeah, it makes it better because like her name's Blue, so Pepsi Blue. But yeah, yeah. Oh, I didn't yeah. put that together. It's all coming, yeah. but yeah, like it's uh, it probably just yeah, like she was probably just like drinking like cases of Pepsi being like gotta finish this chapter gotta finish this chapter <laughs> um so what, what do you guys think of the like I I what do you think of the artwork in it? I I'm really fond of it um mm. it's so like I really love the detail work on, on it and but also the inserts of the chibi sort of like tiny like silly mm. characters in the, the corners yeah and like the little, like baby version big head, like almost yeah. like the pops yeah. versions of them like yeah yeah I love the artwork. The lettering, though, like my my old ass eyes could not handle some of like the large text bubbles that were yeah. happening. Like I was squinting. Yeah, but like, yeah, the, the the art itself just like it felt very, very of its time. But like, yeah, I love that they used like the entire space to to tell that story. Yeah, I, I, it's funny. I had to I started on the mini a mini version the original black and white then i was like oh i, I can't read this i moved to the image yeah. version which is standard trade i'm like i still can't read this and i moved to the, <laughs> the electronic version yeah. and it's like okay i can like zoom in uh, and pinch and zoom to read what i'm trying to read there yeah. um, so wait was it originally it was originally published in black and white or yeah yeah yes. as like oh. um yeah, not as uh, I'm skipping on the word. It was printed as yeah, digest. Like digest. Oh, so it's yeah. like like about the size of this. Oh, like an Archie one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So it's a, a lot of manga is collected like that, and that's yeah. Oni's thing is they were Western manga or reprinting manga, uh, for Western audiences. Oh, cool. And I mean, further to that, like you said about the art, it's. This, it is this really like perfect combo of like manga meets Archie Digest on crack. Mm -hmm. Like it has that, <laughs> um, like it, cause it really, even though you can, I think like the manga influence is very clear, it still has its own unique feel. I think because it has that sort of like Riverdale, like almost like if Riverdale was drawn in manga style yeah. to it, mm -hmm. kind of like, and so it has that Riverdale American feel, but then also has the, uh, man yeah, like has that manga influence. So I think because of having those different, those very different influences, like she's really created something very original. One of the things I felt like it's so steeped in pop culture. You don't actually need to know any of it for the story to work. So it's like, it's yeah. referential, but it's not dependent. Like, I, okay. So I wrote down, what I think is literally all of the references to pop culture. <laughs> We've got The Who, The Jam, Adam Ant, Blur, Pulp, Oasis, The Kinks, Checkmate Records, New Order, OMD, Circus, Joy Division, Ramones, Dead Kennedys, XTC, Placebo, Susie and the Banshees, uh, A Sassy Dig at They Might Be Giants, Slits, yeah. The Zombies, Information Society, The Cramps, Joan Jett, Fun Boy 3, Iggy Pop, The Stooges, Morrissey, The Vandals, and Nature Boy, I think that's the Nat King Cole reference, and The Cure. And on top of that, you've got Tank Girl, Buster Keaton, Oscar Wilde, Bob and Doug McKenzie. That was really hidden. 
uh, Fatty Arbuncle, Sherlock Holmes, Lolita, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, The Graduate, American Graffiti, P.G. Woodhouse, and Scootering Magazine, a scooter magazine published in California that I would order in special because mm. I loved scooters. <laughs> so it's like <laughs> all of that is in there. But if you took all of it out, I don't think it would really impact the story. It's just like it's like teenage life. It's just the stuff that's there. Yeah. The detritus that gathers around us. For sure. As someone who was born in the 90s, 1990, I can attest to that because there were very few references I got in this series. <laughs> like the TV ones, sure, but I embarrassed am embarrassed to say that I didn't realize Adam Ant was an actual singer until I was doing the history the fact checking. I was like, oh, this is an actual band. <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it didn't take away from the story itself. Yeah, I still really wanted Blue to attend this concert, and like they they got that across. So yeah, yeah. and I would say like and a lot of those I only know again like from conversations with Matt or like things like posts that you've done, you know, on Facebook or whatever, like of things you've explored. But like I, so like a lot of them I didn't know, but like very much like when I was in high school in the early two thousands, and you know, like we'd be it would be just instead of that it would be like simpsons futurama king of the hill mm -hmm. like blink 182 you know green day it would have just been those references instead because like we'd you know like people would like just all of a sudden like a new single comes out and then all of a sudden everyone's like, just, like singing that or quoting that in conversation yeah. or the next day after a new simpsons episode like comes out like we're like you know quoting it in our conversations while playing cards at lunchtime and stuff like that so it's so uh true. i still yeah. yeah, I still remember the day that like some forty one decided to like low key and bury and perform and bury, and my entire <laughs> high school went wild. Like yeah. no one was not talking about it. Like yeah, it was sure. And that, that was and it's funny you mentioned that because that was like my first concert I went to was I think like my fourteenth oh, no. birthday or something like that. As I went to some forty one. Oh no way! Uh, <laughs> yeah, we were like thirteen or fourteen, and it was like a big thing where like yeah, like going with my friends and like parents dropping me off my brother picking us up and just it being this big yeah like sort of epic thing mm -hmm. oh yeah so and i mean i think one of the things i kind of wish there was more of it's like mainstream mainstream comics because there are still a lot of indie press stuff mm. uh and you know like ma a lot of manga is coming in so you get the shoujo comics showing up that way but i mean one of the founding Comics, the comics that kept Marvel alive during those early days were romance comics. And you don't get those anymore in Western comics. Um, like, so you have to turn to like small press indie comics. So it's kind of like it feels like there's a, a void in the mainstream comic world where it's like, you know, it's underserved. We, 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 we need we need to bring some of that back. Uh, yeah. Because like this is so fun. This is like a you know it's 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 a it's a nice change and it's a a, a more grounded and simpler story. But it it's, you know, it's while you can identify with Superman from that mythic level when he's talking to these grand aspirations or Batman or the X Men make you feel like oh I feel out like an outsider too. But we all kind of feel like Blue. We all have mm -hmm. that that rock band or that singer or that that actor that we have this mad crush on some of us in the 90s were really into silent film era 
movie stars for some weird reason, <laughs> uh, which made Benny and June really work for us. Um, right. But yeah, it's it's like I think we need to return to some of this earlier stuff. I think there's still some like I know Heartstopper kind of has that same like emotional pull to it. Um, it's a bit more like novel based, like the the newest editions that are out. But like it does have that like growing up as a teenager trying to like hang with friends and figure out the world together kind of feel. So I think there's stuff out there. It might be like making a comeback for sure. Yeah, and I mean it's nice too because I find one thing that you mentioned romance and here. Like, her romances are really, like, all, like, one-sided. Like, they're, like, a one-way romance. Like, where you don't know the... Like, the other person doesn't know... Like, it's like the other person doesn't know there's a romance. Like... (laughs) Which is the most pure teenager thing to happen. Like, she has a crush on the teacher. The teacher is not a creep, thank God. And he's, like, a nice guy. And he's, like, very sweet to her. Gives her his post office box. So if she wants to ask him history questions, they can keep in touch. Without her uh, like showing up at his door, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, without it being totally inappropriate. So he does. He's like, "Yeah, I think you're cool. I'll keep in touch, but it's not gonna get weird." And Adamant right. is just like nice to her. Like it's like, "Oh, yeah. that, that that sucks, love." Here, I'll give you a lift home. And, and it's interesting. Ends... Sorry, go ahead. Oh no, I was just gonna say because it's interesting because if that DJ who had the white T-shirt concert was to give her a ride home. He'd totally be like expecting something in return or whatever. Mm, yeah. Whereas Adamant yeah. is just like, oh, you're a fan who needs like, you know, who needs help. Like I'll just genuinely give you a lift as a thank you for being such a fan yeah. and for, mm-hmm. you know, being down on your luck in this moment. Uh, so it is like, yeah, it's like one of those things where it's almost like meet your heroes because they're like, they're like this, like is it, not all heroes wear capes as we say, you know, some of them, they just, <laughs> <laughs> have room in their car for you or you know they just yeah. have a p.o box and really care about hi- you learning history like it's it, it uh, kind of kind of neat because it's very much like the journey was made it worth it kind of thing too because you had this like epic journey and it, you know they got they got to their destination eventually kind of thing. yeah mm-hmm. for sure and it's i mean i remember in grade 12 because i had a history teacher who, and this wasn't necessarily like a crush, but it was like, it was more of just like, I, like a lot of us love this teacher. And then he left our school after um, we graduated, but he got convinced the school to have a philosophy class. And so we did grade 12 wow. philosophy with him. Uh, and it was great. And like, it was sort of like this class that was like no other. And so that was one where, like, where it was like at the end of the school year, I was like, uh, but Mr. Pizzuoli, how do I keep in touch? And, you know, like he gave, students his email addresses as that was like the new thing at the time and <laughs> in like 2003 2004 and so you know keeping in touch with him for a bit afterwards to be yeah oh um yeah so thanks for humoring me and uh joining me on this this adventure uh rereading this so uh yeah it's it, i i don't know if, if i do suggest reading some of her other stuff um, mm. I love Scooter Girl. Oh, cool. It's very much sort of like um, like an Elfie kind of story, like the movie Elfie. And oh, it's told cool. from the point of view of like a horrible character. Um, but it's kind of like a, a redemption arc kind of thing. And that even leans harder into the mod stuff. Um, mm-hmm. well, I mean, Scooter Girl, I mean, 
right there. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, so many pretend beautiful suits that I would have loved to have worn if they were real suits. In that yeah. <laughs> I was that skinny and I could fit into those narrow top shop suits, but uh, alas, not meant to be. Mm-hmm. Oh. But yeah, no, it was, it's cool. It definitely made me because I hadn't heard of uh yeah like um China Clugs and Flores before and I know I'd heard of Blue Monday but never read it so it's yeah like open like a new avenue and like you said Lainey like looking for you know like Heartstopper and I think Love and Rockets also even though it's very different but for some reason it reminded me like tangentially a little bit of Love and Rockets and well I mean Love and Rockets Ghost World they all kind of follow that like mm. slice of life story Um, where it's grounded in a, in, in a person's life, love and rockets being, um, you know, from also a Californian perspective, but from a Latino family's perspective. So maybe one of California scooter girl. Yeah. Yeah, Maybe want to get back into like reading more of that stuff. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to have to get on my scooter and go, but uh, thanks everyone for joining us and uh, thanks for listening to Detecting the Marvelous. You've been listening to Detecting the Marvelous, a Far From Here Productions and showbizmonkeys.com co-production. Your producers have been Dan Rosen, Lainey LaRose and Matt Ardell. Music composed by Glenn Bouchamp. And art by Ben Steamroller. Thanks for listening, and remember, true believers, Excelsior! Excelsior!